Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us. And how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And I hope all of you are being safe and well out there. And how are you, my man? Hanging. I'm hanging, man. It's almost a weekend again. Get, get to watch more football and do nothing. Yep. And, you know, speaking and speaking of the weekend and doing nothing, you know, uh, college football, another week in the books for college. And a, a lot of takeaways, in my opinion, Chris, in my opinion, there's a couple of takeaways, particularly for, for one particular conference. So give me your thoughts on this weekend in college football. So I'm going to I'm going to bounce around between conferences and uh so I'm going to start out with of course pointing out the obvious that UCF is still the worst team in the state of Florida and they should stay in the minor leagues and never talk about being a national champ again and never even talking about playing a division 1 Florida school unless that they want to sign their death warrant because they got into a shootout with Memphis and lost again so that brings UCF to a solid, uh, solid a trunk two and two, with enough points on the board to uh, turn it into a basketball game. So, um, as usual, you already you guys know how I feel about the the Golden Knights or whatever they're called now. Um, stick with the minor leagues. Go beat up on Tulsa and ECU and feel better about yourself. Wait, didn't Tulsa beat them? Question mark. Hmm. Oh wait, they did. Maybe stick beating on. Uh, Eastern Carolina, maybe go play. I heard um, maybe like Tampa Community College, um, Melbourne High School was looking for some tough opponents. Maybe maybe step down and you know go go try your luck there. Um, <laughs> circling to the ACC, I'm about to give credit to a team that you would never think I would give credit to, and that would be the Florida State Seminoles. So they finally got themselves up and moving uh, against an actual tough opponent, uh, the UNC. Uh, Eighth-ranked UNC, uh, they fell short. They fell very short. Uh, Florida State controlled the first half in an impeccable fashion. They didn't bother showing up the second half, but thankfully they put enough points on the board uh, the first two quarters to, uh, to, to keep themselves hanging. But... I was actually pleasantly surprised at the quality of, of of play coming from Florida State. I mean, they put, you know, 432 total yards on there. Uh, uh, Travis, uh, he went 8 for 1,991 yards, a touchdown and an interception. So a 1 for 1 is better than what they were doing before because they were turning over the ball a little too many times. Um you know, he also put 107 yards on the ground and ran into touchdowns. So he he definitely had himself uh, a hell of a day. So definitely I'm happy to see uh, Florida State coming on the up and up and actually trying to do something. Um, so I, now that I've said one good thing about them this season, don't expect anything else. Um, you know, a couple shockers, the, the Ole Miss and Arkansas game. Um you know, I I expected uh, Ole Miss to win this game. You know, they 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 played Alabama last week, and you know you you kind of expected them to lose. A it's it's Coach Satan playing against one of his junior coaches, and that just never turns out well for any of them. 
but they gave them a ran for the uh, excuse me a run for their money. Um, and so you figured maybe a bounce back game with Arkansas, uh, you know, they, it would just be an easy come, easy go. But Arkansas played with a little extra fire under them, I think, this game because of I don't want to say the screw job against Auburn, but all we're missing is 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 Bret Hart spitting in the face of Vince McMahon at this point in that game. That's I I, I really felt pretty strongly in that Arkansas Auburn game, and. Uh, Arkansas came back and and delivered the hand of of justice here. And uh, Felipe Franks went 21 for 34, 244 yards. He went one for one, touchdown to interception, which is better than what he normally does. Uh, And then he had 16 yards on the ground. Um, You know, I don't think a lot of people expected Arkansas to – to do what they're doing right now. I think they went on what, like a 16 or 17 game losing streak, I think in the sec. And, uh, you know, now they're actually starting to compile some wins. It's not like they're going to win the sec West. I mean, so let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves here, but to see them excelling is, uh, it's good. I'm, I'm happy to see it. I'm, I'm actually happy to see them. Uh, I, I never had any beef with Felipe Franks. I just don't think that, the system that Florida was working was not made for him. And, the, and, and quarter, the quarterback position is a system position based on the coach and based on uh, all the factors that, that enamor in that. And I think maybe the pressure at playing at a prestigious school like Florida, and then also going from a coaching structure of a Jim McElwain era to a Dan Mullen era, um, I think I think Franks could have improved under Mullen, and I think that he just his time got cut tragically short with that that ankle issue with him breaking it. Um, and then you know it's kind of a blessing in disguise, as much as I hate saying that with Trask sitting on the bench ready to roll, and, and we've been very fortunate with Trask. Um, but to see uh, Franks develop as a quarterback, he's a big body, he's fearless, he's going to get out there and give you a hundred percent every time. I think if he sharpens his mental skills. I think he could be a very dangerous weapon going into the NFL draft uh, this this upcoming year because there are definitely some teams that could use some young blood that are going to be courageous and fearless. Um, so shout out to them. Uh, I see Notre Dame had a had a struggling game against Louisville. Um, once again, you guys know how I feel about Notre Dame. They're another one of those programs that is a whole lot of hype and not a whole lot of anything besides that. Um, it was pretty much a uh, a baseball game score. It was 12 to seven. Um, and Notre Dame barely squeaked by an unranked Louisville. Um, so we'll just leave it at that and, and just kind of let you fester on that. Um, there was a case in Atlanta. I heard, uh, detectives Benson and Stabler and whatever ice cubes name is from law and order SVU, uh, had to report to a sexual assault case, uh, in Atlanta because Clemson, they did a lot of bad things at Georgia Tech, uh, seventy-three to seven, and they put thirty-five points up on the board in the second quarter. That is that is a very scary thing to do to a team. Um, granted, GT isn't, of course, the sharpest knife in the drawer, but regardless, putting seventy-three points on anybody is not a an easy task, um, unless if you're UCF playing, you know, community colleges. Uh, but then they also put 70 points against them. But, you know, we won't talk about that. Uh, so, of course, Trevor Lawrence out there just just 
doing God's work uh, in a very, very scary fashion. Uh, they're just one of those teams that they are complete all the way around the board. Uh, they've got great offense, great defense, and great special teams. If you mix all three of those ingredients together, you're going to get a very, very tasty dish uh, that serves national championships. So definitely let's keep uh, Clemson under. Uh, I I think considering Miami was considered their toughest opponent on their schedule, um, I don't see Clemson not making the playoffs. Uh, I see them probably going in undefeated. I truly think the only game that they have to worry about, uh, I, I honestly think was the Miami game. I, I I don't know anybody else on their schedule that that can really do much of anything. Um, when you sit back and look at it, maybe at most, I mean, they've got. I'm, I I literally don't know. Look, I mean, I think maybe the game on the twenty first against uh, at FSU, maybe that could be their trap game. I think they're going to completely steamroll Notre Dame. As again, like I, I, I feel like I'm almost a traitor. I'm talking. I, I've given Florida State two compliments in ten minutes at least. Um, I'm going to go check myself into a mental hospital. I think at this point, um, I think Florida State's their only potential loss the rest of the season. Maybe a trap game. A very hungry Florida State looking to ruin someone's day. Um, other than that, it was the it was the usual suspects uh, winning their games. Uh, Carolina had a nice upset against Auburn. Uh, an un, an unranked Kentucky went in and beat a, a 14 ranked Tennessee. Um, all those ones that are all Rocky Mountaintop, whatever. Just just go ahead and put your plaid shorts away, and why don't you wrap that tablecloth up and pack it in your picnic basket? I think your season's uh, a fork stuck in it and it's done. Um, other than that, you know the unfortunate thing. Uh, you know our game against LSU got postponed due to COVID, and it looks like the upcoming game this week. Uh, got suspended as well. All football stuff is suspended until I think next Monday, if memory serves me right, my notes serve me right. So that is a bummer. So we're going to be a couple weeks without Florida Gators football. Um, and that's that's what I got wrapped up here in the uh, uh, on the college side. It was kind of a quiet week. Yeah, it, it, it really was, Chris. But I, I do have a couple of takeaways. And you know me, and I love quarterbacks. You know, I love watching quarterback play. One of the things that I saw, in particular, with and we'll and we'll jump on to um, the Tennessee, is, is that listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that Jared Gartano is the is not. I don't think he's the answer, Chris. I think he's been there long enough. If this if he was a freshman, Chris, you know, I'd probably be like, okay, he's going. He has to go through growing pains, Chris. This man's been at this program at least three years. And at some point, Chris, you know, listen, Jeremy Pruitt's job, in my opinion, is kind of tied to the quarterback position. As great as a defensive mind that Jeremy Pruitt is, like, let's be clear, Chris, and I said this on last week's episode, and I'll say it again this week. Listen, Philip Fulmer makes it clear that, listen, you have to, listen, he judges his coaches by three games. Georgia, we saw what happened there. Florida and Alabama. Because in, in the opinion, those are probably the three best teams in the SEC. And 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 to me, Chris, the way Tennessee Tennessee came into the season very hype, Chris. But listen, if you can't get the quarterback position right, I don't care what program you are in the country, Chris. 
Like, I'll give you a great example. Go look at Auburn. Now, Chris, I'm not anti-Bo Nix. But once again, Chris, Gus Malzahn's job is kind of tied to Bo Nix. And it seems to be not a lot of coaches' jobs are tied to quarterback. Like, no matter how Mac Jones, and Mac Jones is playing great for Alabama, I don't think his job is necessarily, Nick Saban's job is tied to the quarterback. Nick Saban's job is tied to results, if, if, that, if that makes any sense. Well, the thing, I don't yeah, think I mean, he's necessarily. Sorry to, sorry to cut you. Yeah, sorry to cut you off there. Um, I mean, the the thing with Nick Saban is is like I said, his job is one hundred percent tied to the results that that he provides, which are multiple national championships, uh, immaculate recruiting classes. Every year, he has m- multiple players going into the first round. Um, so if he has a bad quarterback for a year or two. Or a subpar, you know, quarterback. I honestly don't think he's ever had a bad one. Um, but yeah. it's like we talked about the difference in coaching between uh, NFL and college and recruiting and and finessing. Um, but yeah, with Gus Malzahn, he hasn't really showed a whole lot of results as of late. So his Bo Nix is kind of his uh, his kind of last tie to, to success in that program. I think. And 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 that's the, and that's how I feel, Chris, because with Nick Saban, Nick Saban, it's always been defense. So we never have to say that. Oh, what if you know Tua didn't play well, or what if Greg McElroy never played well, or whether AJ? We we never said that about Alabama. But when it comes to programs like Tennessee, programs that have been trying to get to that next level, like a Auburn, like Tennessee, it's always been tied to the quarterback position. And Chris, for the basis of what I saw last Saturday, Chris, I I I'm under the belief, Chris, that I like I said, I don't I'm not basing on any report. I've read a little things about it, but Gus Malzahn, that that seat's a little bit hotter than what people think it is. I'll leave it at that. It's a little bit hotter than what people think it is, because I don't think his job is necessarily safe. Because look, Bo Nix is a fine talent, Chris, but if you can't produce results. Listen, I don't. It's it's never fair in life that your job is tied to somebody else, but that's life. You know, if you work in a company, your job is tied to the people who work for you. Nobody's saying that you could be great at your job, but if everybody else is kind of below below you in terms of work ethic and production, Chris, then they're going to see you as a leader. Yeah, and and they're going to show you the door, and people will say, "Well, listen, that's not fair." And I'm going to talk about something later in the show that may not be fair, but that's when we get to the NFL segment in a minute. And I'll just say this about college before wrapping up: is Chris, when I look at the AAC, when I look at the conference that has UCF and Memphis and all those teams, Chris, they remind me a little of the Big Twelve. I, as I was watching that game, and I'm like, this the same things that I talk about. With the Big 12, it's the same things I talk about with the AAC. Like, there's talented teams in there, Chris. But, and listen, I'll, I'll do you one better, Chris. The quarterback play. We talk about the quarterbacks. Oklahoma, talk about Spencer Rattler and, and, excuse me, and we talk about, ah, oh boy, and we talk about Texas. But, Chris, here's the reality. Go look at UCF. We talk about Dylan, Dylan Gabriel and Brady White and that, and that same in vain that we talk about Sam Ellinger for Texas and Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma, Chris. But once again, Chris, you get mixed results. They give up a lot of, listen, Chris, they can score. They just can't stop anybody. 
And that, to me, reminds me a lot of the Big 12. And at the end of the day, Chris, like I said, it all goes back to maybe being an offensive lead. But, Chris, if you can't play a modicum of defense, like even the SEC, to a degree, Chris, is kind of looking like it's not quarterback-driven quite yet, Chris, but we're, we're getting better. I can argue. I don't know if you'll agree. There's been better quarterback playing the SEC as a whole over the last couple of years if it wasn't this way the previous probably 15, 20 years because we never expected SEC quarterbacks to be NFL guys. Let's just face it. We expected D linemen and corners and other, other even you know, skill positions to go to the NFL, but not a lot of quarterbacks. But yet still, the SEC still plays defense, whether people believe it or not, and that still boils down to that. In that regard, but speaking of things that it boils down to, it transitions to me the NFL, Chris, where I think watching these games, I think for a lot of teams, it boils down to either one side of the ball or it boils down to the leadership. I think to me, Chris, there's no and 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 and, and I'm gonna get on one team. I think people can figure out if you guys read the article I wrote a couple of, you know, about a week and a half ago. But I think this week you kind of saw where a lot of teams, a couple of teams kind of made statements and a lot of teams kind of showed you who they were. So with that being said, Chris, what did you see in in week six that you liked and the things that you uh, viewed overall? You know, um, there was some, like you said, some very interesting games. So of course we didn't get a Thursday night game. So we kicked off on Sunday, you know, first and foremost, I want to talk about uh, your Falcons and there was a changing of the guard. Uh, Mr. Quinn found himself out the door and his office packed and he flew out as fast as a Falcon can. And imagine that the first game he's gone, you guys actually win. Now, granted, it is the Vikings, and I know I was super high on them uh, in the beginning of the season, but thankfully I kept my receipt, as any good shopper does, and I returned them uh, back to the shelf. Um, But, you know, regardless, I I was talking about this with somebody – you know, the other day, because there, there was this article that posted, um, it was, a, of course, a satirical article about uh, Trevor Lawrence making a fake comment about, you know, I'd rather stay in the in college for another year than play, with the, you know, play on the garbage jets or whatever. And, you know, and that, and that his Clemson team could probably beat the Jets. And as much as I, I rag on the Jets, that'll never happen. Um, you know, you got to look at an entire so uh, a collegiate program. That's a fifty-two man program, if I stand corrected, right? For uh, uh, the collegiate part, the, in terms of the size of the roster, you're, you're referring yeah. to. Yeah. And college is a little bit bigger than that. It's just they, they'll have some. I think the last time I checked, they may have. It's a little bit. It's a little bit more than that. I think maybe dress is around fifty-two, but they have like at least maybe, maybe someone could correct me later. Like maybe seventy. Like in let's, terms of like athletes on there, let, let's just say they dress, uh, you know, fifty-two, and so just we'll just make it like that. So fifty-two people, uh, you know, dr- uh, dressed out. Out of those fifty-two people, how many actually make it to the NFL? What like six, ten, maybe at the most a year. Um, you know, so out of that cream of the crop is what makes it into the NFL. And the cream of the crop from every single school turns into that melting pot of the Jets or the Falcons or the Eagles or the even hell, even the Browns, you know, 
And all those elite college players make it to the NFL and stay. So I don't, you know, I don't think that the a, a college team would or could ever be a uh, a professional team. But you know, circling back, you know, to what I was saying, even though the the, the Vikings are a, a a below par team per se, they're still a damn good team at the end of the day, filled with a lot of talent. And I think that Matty Ice knew he had to come out. And, and do something. Now, granted, of course, Julio Jones returned, and their schoolyard relationship is just second to none. Um, and then just a slew of other offensive weapons. I was happy to see them finally wake up and, and get out and do something. And I want to say, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is the first touchdown he threw since, what, like week two or, or week three, I think? So he won a couple yeah, games maybe. without even putting one into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, all in all, that was a pretty good game. Um, the the one that kind of uh, puzzled me, I guess, was the, the Ravens and Eagles game and, and the fact that the Eagles got that close, you know, to, to the Ravens. Uh, you know, they, the Ravens won, you know, 30-28, but, you know, they let the Eagles put up the majority of their points in the fourth quarter. You know, they put 22 up. And, uh, you know, you, you can't. You can't be doing that, you know, to any team, regardless of how good or how bad you are. Um, you you got to play tough all four quarters of, of the game and and not not slouch on it. Um, you know, the one that I think we all knew was going to happen was the Steelers and Browns. Um, again, not to pick on the Browns. They do have a lot of wins in the column this season. Um, but I think they're still building. But we also discussed that. You know, the AFC North is absolutely the best division in football right now, without question. Uh, circle through some of my other notes here. Of course, the, the Bears squeaked one on the on the Panthers. Uh, you know, Danny Jones out there and, and the, the New York Giants pushed one on, uh, on Washington. Uh, of course, the Jets got shut out against Miami. I, I, I don't know how that happens, but, well, here we are. Um, they, they, got, they got put to bed. And, you know, the, the one game that I really want to talk about is the Green Bay and Tampa Bay game, the, the, the Battle of Bays, if you will. Um, Green Bay came out on fire. You know, they put 10 points on the board in a blink of an eye. And as, as much as I can't stand the boy, but Tom Brady came out there just, uh, just firing missiles in, in every direction. And also Tampa's defense. Let's Let's not... Let's not forget about them. They put some points on the board, too, there. Um, and Tampa just utterly, utterly dismantled uh, Green Bay. Uh, their defense looked excellent. Their special teams was was a work of art. And, you know, Tom Brady did what he did in New England. And he scanned the field. When his first choice wasn't available, he dumped the ball off to Gronkowski in 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 scientific fashion and move the ball, move the ball, get the first down, move the ball, get the first down and continue. And he's doing that now in, in Tampa Bay, but he also has uh, uh, Mike Evans and, and uh, Chris Godwin and Gronk and uh, Ronald Jones in the backfield. I mean, I I'll tell you what, that's, I, I got buyer's remorse giving him up to you in our fantasy league. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that much. I, I, I think I might that one in the ass later this season. But we shall stand and find out. Um, 
The Chiefs and the Bills had a really close game Monday night. That was a fun one to watch. Just Patrick Mahomes doing his thing, Josh Allen doing his thing. Just just two programs. I think that will be the AFC championship game, to be honest with you, is the Chiefs and Bills. I don't see any other team in the AFC being able to compete at their levels. Even though we talk about how good the AFC North is, I just I think the Bills are just a little bit more built program than than the rest of them. Um you know, and then the, the late game, uh, the Cardinals and the Cowboys, and I know you wanted to talk about this one, so I won't. I, 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 I won't. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> sound like me when I'm getting ready Nobody, to pass just... into the ground. Uh, oh, 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 you know, boy. Andy Dalton came out, so I'm not going to pick on Andy Dalton. Um, I think he went to the Cowboys for a white-collar job, do a couple handoffs, maybe make a couple, uh, you know, screen passes, collect his paycheck and just kind of ride off into the sunset, maybe give Dak some professional advice as a seasoned quarterback talking to a rookie, um, you know, things like that. I, I, I really, really don't know how else to put that game. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was, it, it was hard to watch. Um, it definitely wasn't the Cowboys, but I, I think it's just a learning curve. I think Andy Dalton is uh, is going to come around. I think they just got to get used to Dak Prescott not being there, and we'll see what the what happens. So I know you wanted to really, really tear that game uh, apart. So why don't you tell me what uh, what you thought about it? You know, you know what I'm going to do. I like to give a teaser. Is I think I told you in the pre meeting. I'm going to give a teaser. But what I'm going to do is that we're going to take a break and we're going to be right back. And I'm going to go into I'm going to cover some games, but I'm going to cover in depth two important two games to me. And one team in particular that I think we need to kind of look at deeper. And that's next year on the sports and the world podcast. And welcome back into the sports and the world podcast. Ladarius here with Chris, and before we went to break, um, you know, Chris had talked about a lot of things, you know, but the week, but one of the things that I want to go back that he did talk about is the AFC North, and one of the things is about the AFC North. I've always, I think I said this last week. Listen, Big Ben to me as a person, not the biggest fan, and for obvious reasons, if you know, if you know who my team is, and you know, I'm not gonna, you know, you can. You can you can be like Picasso and finish painting that picture, but when it comes to being a quarterback in the National Football League, he's a Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame talent, and this organization has been great. But under him, you know, given what's going on, so when I look at that game against Cleveland, Chris, I wasn't surprised whatsoever because the thing with Cleveland, Chris, is the number one problem is Baker Mayfield, and people are going to say, "Oh, he wasn't healthy." Here's the counter. Here's the counterpoint. What was he before? He, what was he when he was healthy? That's the counterpoint I tell people. Listen, he's in what year three, Chris? Yeah. And, and yes. you see, and you see guys like Josh Allen who's in year three, and guys like Lamar Jackson who's in year three. Like, listen, we're we're talking to we're talking about them like perennial Super Bowl contenders. You know, Josh Allen, for goodness sakes, is, you know, possibly isn't, isn't, he's in the MVP race. 
Now, I'm not saying, Chris, that Baker should be like that, but Chris, he was the number one overall pick in that, in that draft. And, and I sat here, you know, and I remember saying to myself, and I'm not, I've, I've, I've said, Chris, that I thought Sam Darnold was the better prospect, simply because, you know, I would watch USC games. I did watch Oklahoma games, but the reason why Cleveland took Baker was for two reasons. A, because of his insanely high completion percentage. He's completing 70% of his passes. I think it's an NCAA record. And secondly, he brought a, they thought he was going to bring a swagger to an organization that's just been lifeless. And Chris, and it, we could sit here, we had made excuses for Baker, you know, with Hugh Jackson, and then they hired a, they hired a PE coach in Freddie Kitchens. Now, but let me let me interject into this, and you know that I I'm not exactly Baker Mayfield's biggest fan, but honestly, do you think that maybe he got the short end of the straw because of the coaching? On the other side of the coin, let's look at Sam Darnold right now. The man is uh, on, on. I mean, he's he's literally playing for his life. Every single game, they're zero and six, and and the Browns are what four and two, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if if memory serves. So, and again, you're saying that in, in in your opinion that that Darnold had better draft stock or you know more hype about him, but you know Baker did have the high completion percentage and had uh the the the, the swagger that maybe Darnold didn't have. Now the the Browns. I don't want to say they're kind of known as like the bad boy organization. I definitely think the Oakland Raiders are the the Detroit Pistons of the NFL, but the Browns have always been this like troublesome redheaded stepchild team that if you're not from Cleveland, you're like, Oh yeah, they do have a football team. Shit. How about that? Um, yeah, I think mm-hmm. a lot of, of Baker Mayfield's shortcomings are due to circumstance are due to the environment. It's like, if you take a shark, and you put him in a glass bowl, he won't become a, a, an 11-foot tiger shark that's going to rip your ass up off a surfboard. He's going to be like a, a, like a pen just swimming around in a bowl. Now, you put that same shark in the ocean, that some bitch is going to eat me and you and enjoy every ounce of us, man. And I think that's the case of, of, uh, of Baker is you look where Lamar Jackson went to, they got a great coaching staff, a great support staff. You look at at at, at uh, Allen up there in Buffalo, that is just killing it up there with the same situation. Now, granted, Baker has a lot of good players around him, but I think we talked about it last season that there was too many personalities on that team, too many hotheads, too many hot shots, too many too many Hollywoods, and. Uh, I think all those personalities clashing on the team. And then, of course, Freddie Kitchens, like you said, uh, you, you got a PE coach. I, I honestly think you and I could have went there and probably did a better job at, at coaching than he could have. Um, and I'll take half the salary that he – hell, I'll take a fourth of it, and I won't say a damn word. I'll show up to work on time. <laughs> you know, but I, I to defend him – and like I said, it's not that I don't like him. I'm just indifferent about him. I think a lot of his shortcomings are due to circumstance compared to his counterparts in that draft. Well, uh, listen, I- I'm not going to say you're wrong, Chris, but here's the thing. It's all about development, Chris. 
I can I can sit here and make a case, and I'm gonna and I'm and I understand what you're saying. Don't get me wrong, but I'm gonna go back to the reason why I said Donald was the better prospect. Because Chris, this is the reality. When you look at Sam Donald, Sam Donald, listen, it's the Pac-12, and I get how you know how no I I somewhat feel about the Pac-12. But Chris, the reality is that when I when I look at Sam when I looked at Sam Donald. That guy was NFL ready, ready. But the, the key is this, Chris. You know, when I saw him, I said he could go to the he could, he could go to Cleveland and probably have more success than Baker. Chris, like, listen, I'm not anti Baker, but Chris, this is year three. I could argue and make the point that if Sam Darnold was in the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns would quite possibly be five and one. They could be even better, Chris. Simply because Sam Darnold is an adult. And Chris, what did, Cleveland, what did the Cleveland Browns do? They hired on a coach that was an adult. Baker Mayfield has not grown with the Odell Beckham Jr. is growing. Okay, you see Nick Chubb? He's growing. Chris, everybody around him is developing and growing. Like, listen, you, some things can be hidden in success. Like, just because they're foreign too does not mean that, hey, they're better than, say, let's just say my Falcons. We just couldn't close games, or we would have three or four wins. So my point, Chris, is, is that the Cleveland Browns, Chris, they're a top-five rushing team, Chris, but they're 30th in passing. And the last time I checked, the quarterback's the one that throws the football. And it may be unpopular, and I'm not trying to knock Baker. I like Baker. But, Chris, the reality is, is that the Cleveland Browns' growth is still stunted and somebody on Twitter. I know you love Twitter. <laughs> I made I made the point, Chris. There's a reason why they went out and signed Case Keenum in the offseason. Because Chris, why do you pay? I believe Case Keenum's country like a three year eight. Why do you give a quarterback essentially six million dollars a year, Chris? He, he got a three year eighteen. What kind of backup have you heard got that kind of deal? No, I Don't, hey, you know, hey man. Like I said, I'd, I'd take half that, uh, a quarter of that salary and I'd show up to work every day, smile on my face. Right. Absolutely. And the reason why Case Keenum was there, Chris, because of familiarity, because Kevin Stefanski was the offensive coordinator over at Minnesota when Keenum was there. And Kevin Stefanski, Chris, can work with quarterbacks. Look, listen, as much as I not Kirk Hiss and Cousins, Chris, under Stefanski, Kirk Cousins looked pretty good. And mind you, he did have Stephen Diggs, so you kind of got to look at it as a But the reality is, Chris, is that when you look at Kevin Stefanski in this offense, Chris, the only one not growing is Baker. And I understand why people feel that way, Chris. It's like, listen, I'm going to defend someone who I've defended on this show. I defend Carson Wentz, Chris. For the, I defend Carson Wentz because, Chris, this man had no idea who was in his huddle and threw him the ball. Chris, yeah. it's the the Philadelphia Eagles injury list could be a starting lineup for an NBA team. That's how many people are out and have reserves left over. I defend Carson Wentz because listen, the last two weeks, Chris, this man has played the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens, and in some way, Chris, he hung. They hung around in that game. Listen, the Ravens only won by two. And, I, and that game against the Steelers, Chris, was less than 10 points. Everybody thought it's going to be a blowout. You take the, you know, take the points. Like, no. Carson Wentz can play quarterback. And I defend Carson Wentz 
a, a heck of a lot more than I'll defend Baker Mayfield because, and I've said this before, Carson Wentz to me was is the most talented quarterback in that division. The problem is, Chris, you have to have talent around you. The reality is, the reality, the reality is this, Chris. You know, he didn't have his one of the best offensive linemen he had, Lane Johnson, is just going to be healthy for tonight's game against, you know, for against the Giants. Chris, this team has been hurt. Like Baker Mayfield, what's the excuse? Like Chris, he hasn't shown me growth. If I now, Chris, if the if they were a top fifteen passing team, Chris, I wouldn't say a word. But Chris, he's the quarterback. He was at the, at the end of the day, and I understand your points that you made about situation. That's applicable to life, Chris. But here's the thing. When it comes to when you're in a position of success, listen, Lamar Jackson could have easily flopped, but that be but look how talented he is, Chris. Like, listen, you can put the most talented guy in the world on 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 a talented team. Doesn't mean he's gonna play great. But Lamar Jackson is developing. He's still growing. He's becoming more of a passer. Show me where Baker has improved. When you ask people how has Baker Mayfield improved. You don't get a lot of good answers. Like, and they're Chris, and they're a four and two football team. Like, mind you, listen, Baker Mayfield, his 37 intercept, he's thrown 37 interceptions in his career. 25 of those, Chris, have been versus teams with winning records. So essentially, Chris, almost 60% of his touchdown of his interceptions has gone to teams who have won. And what does that mean, Chris? Those were meaningful games. And I and I under people like, oh well, I'm not anti Baker. Listen, I defend Carson. Oh, but Carson Wentz has fumbled in. And Chris, I get all of that. But the reality is, Chris, I bet you, Chris, you couldn't name the Philadelphia Eagles right now. No. And no. I, I'm like, I, people I, say, yeah, I can't. I'll be the first one to tell you. And I'm like, because the only name that rings a bell for me. Right, and and you're like, and you have to look down the list. Like, who are these guys? I defend Carson Wentz. This team has been, you know, haven't been healthy, and they've hung around in games they had no business hanging around in. And as bad as the born as the NFC East is, Chris, they could still win this division. By God, Chris, I think I put it out on Facebook. They could win this division. Listen, for goodness sakes, Chris, they could go five, ten, and one and still win this division. Because that's how bad it is. Did you? I I think I might have sent you it, but did you see the meme of the pointing Spider-Mans and they had them dressed in all of like the, the yeah. Eagles uniform and the Washington uniform? <laughs> yeah, it's like they're all the same, and it's like this. And it listen, and it's in the transition to the Dallas Cowboys, Chris. Look, I wrote an article about this team, Chris, and I've doubled down on the fact that listen, I don't know what else I could say about Dallas's defense, but I'm going to say this. Chris, they've allowed 30 or more points in five consecutive games. That's the longest streak of the last 30 years. They've also allowed 24 points off of turnovers. That's the most since week two of 2009. Chris, this team is terrible. This team is terrible. And Chris, I was watching a little bit of Undisputed and with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. I've always been pro- Shannon, for obvious reasons. 
because I think that, you know, he's played 14 years in the league. He's won championships. He understands the game. And then Skip doesn't have the nerve, the audacity, the temerity to say that he, Shannon has no idea what he's talking about. And I said, this is where I go. And that's a, and Skip is Skip is a huge Cowboys fan. And I say, that's the problem. Cowboy fans need to wake up and understand your team is trash. What Shannon Sharp is saying when he was pointing to the Chris, he saw defensive assignments missed. A former player could see it quicker than you and I probably can. He should have pulled out to that guy. He should have pulled out this one. Chris, they're not doing anything right. And, and my point is, Chris, you got to fire Mike Nolan. There, Chris, there, there, there's no two ways about it, Chris. If if Mike McCarthy wants to have a second year in Dallas, Chris, he's got to fire Mike Nolan because you hired this guy who hasn't been a coordinator in six years, and there's a reason for that. Everybody peaks in life, Chris. Like Vanilla Ice peaked musically. Everybody peaks. Like I tell people, outside of Ice Ice Baby, name another Vanilla Ice song. He peaked at that song. He, he's great at other things, Chris, but the rapping thing with Nick, that's where he peaked. People peak. People have peaks in their valleys, but this dude peaked. Mike Nolan has peaked as a defensive coordinator when he was at Baltimore. My point is simply this, Chris, and I put it on social media, and I'll say it. Mike McCarthy could be fired at the end of this year. Because, Chris, there's no excuse in the world. If the Dallas Cowboys, Chris, and you can mark me down by saying this, if the Dallas Cowboys do not win this division, Mike McCarthy has to go. Because who hired Mike Nolan? Who hired Mike? Who, who hired him? Mike McCarthy did. And people are like, oh, well, Dak is hurt. Listen, great coaches figure it out, Chris. Everybody has an excuse for Dallas, but yet when I talk about the Eagles, we're like, oh, well, Carson Wentz bad, but you don't look at the other side of the spectrum. And I'm going to say something, Chris, and I said it in the before we transition to break, Chris, and I'm going to say it, and it may not be popular, but I remember an Oscar, an Oscar speech that said, sometimes, Chris, you got to forego doing what's popular and doing what's right. Yeah. So, Chris, I'm going to do the right, I feel like I'm doing the right thing by saying this. Chris, we all saw Dak go down, and we all saw, it was bad, Chris. You know, because Dak's a good dude. Like, you don't have to be a Cowboys fan not to root for Dak. You may not like the team, but you can root for Dak. But here's – and then when I started seeing that, oh, well, Jerry owes Dak and he owes him an apology, Chris, here's the thing. And I can't take credit for – you know, but listen, I side along with this, Chris. Here's the truth that people don't want to hear, Chris. As bad as Dak got hurt, Dak gambled on himself. Okay, listen, I felt bad seeing him go – down like that, Chris. But Dak Prescott could have had guaranteed money. And yeah. people may say, oh, that's cruel to say. No. And, and I'm like, listen, here's the reality. Dak wanted Russ money. And I've written, Chris, I've written about this. I've said on this show numerous times. I think I've said this before you joined me as the co-host, Chris. I've said that he shouldn't have got paid, Chris. And mind you, that was over a year ago. I've said he shouldn't get paid $40 million a year because of sympathy. Okay, the back of the matter is, Chris, this man only has one playoff win. Russell Wilson has gone to two Super Bowls. It took Russell Wilson, I believe, three, four contracts to get that contract in Seattle. So you're telling me Dak's first contract, you want to be paid more than a guy that's been there, done that? You, It's ridiculous. 
And people are like, oh, but he hurt himself. Chris, that's not our fault. Listen, I felt bad watching it, Chris. We all did. But Chris, you go to Vegas, you go in there with a pocket full of money, and you leave with a pocket full of problems sometimes. That's life. That's yeah. life. It's all about yeah. up and down. He Listen, he, he played roulette. He lost. He played craps, and he crapped out. And people are like, oh, there's that's cool. No, no, it's not. That's life. It's, it's I say he bet things. on him. He bet. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, it's, you know, it's, my it's, simple it's point one of those Chris, things. Oh, I'm sorry. Damn it, man. We're terrible at this. <laughs> go, go, ahead, go, ahead, <laughs> go, go ahead. But I'll say this, Chris. I feel bad. That doesn't mean this is what people have to understand. Just because I say he doesn't get paid does not mean I think he's a great dude. I think he's a great dude, but Chris, a lot of good dudes don't get paid. I said the reality is, Chris, there's a reason why Jerry didn't sign him in the beginning. Jerry has signed quarterbacks. He signed Troy Aikman. He signed Tony Romo, Chris. I mean, look at this team. He signed Zeke. He signed Jalen Smith. Chris, he literally signed the, probably the water boy before he gave an extension to Dak Prescott. So what is that telling you of how he felt? how Jerry felt about Dak's value going into the season. And Dak had a great start, Chris. But the reality is when he got hurt, Chris, he lost a lot of money. And the reality is that, listen, I feel bad for it. But listen, who does he? Who does Jerry have to apologize to? He doesn't have to apologize to Dak. With all due respect, Dak's people who are in Dak's ear as the football player, whoever's trying to tell Dak, man, you good as Russ, they need to be fired and get new people or get a new agent. Because anybody who believes in the world that you're better than Russell Wilson is laughable. At worst, Chris, let me tell you something before before we move on. Do you know what? Since Ryan Tannehill joined the Houston, since he joined the Tennessee Titans, Chris, he's twelve and three as the starter, and he got paid, did he not? Yeah. He got paid like four year, hundred sixty million, and I said that's Dak's contract. Because Ryan Tannehill has more playoff wins than Dak Prescott. That's that's one of the things. You know, what you were talking about, the circle back to uh, to the betting in Vegas. You know, the unfortunate thing is you're 100% right. He was betting. He was trying to run that ball towards a contract before his ankle got broke. And Absolutely. You know, he, he saw himself, you know what, uh, Jerry Jones hasn't wanted to pay me at this point in life. So I got to do something to make him pay me. And his thought process was, I'm going to run and I'm going to play and I'm going to sling 400 yards a game. And I'm going to go out there and put as many points on the board as I can. And if I'm putting 40 points a game up or 35 points a game up and the defense is allowing 40, that's not my fault. You know, and, and maybe that was going to be his selling point to Jerry and say, look, I'm putting points on the board for you. I'm doing my job. I'm taking the offense, marching them down the field, and putting the ball in the end zone by any means necessary. I can't control what the defense is doing. So maybe, you know, him running, taking that run was, was him literally running for that contract. And like you said, when you gamble, unfortunately, you leave yourself susceptible to loss, whether it's on the tables uh, on the football field or in a UFC fight when you, you know, one of Chuck Liddell's biggest advantages was that right overhand. That man put Tito mm-hmm. to Ortiz asleep, uh, rampage Jackson asleep. Uh, I mean, you name it. He has put legends 
of the UFC asleep with that right overhand. But the problem is, is when you see that right overhand coming, you can parry out with an outside left hook or sneak in that left uppercut. And guess what? Your mouth is open. Your neck's open. You're going to sleep if you get caught. But it's the reward. It's who punches first is who's going to win that battle. And with Dak, unfortunately, he threw that right overhand and got caught with the left uppercut. And, well, here we are. And I feel bad for him. You know, maybe this might be a blessing in the skies. Maybe Jerry Jones had no real intention on paying him. And an organization maybe like the Saints might put him on a lower contract up front and then re-sign him on a big one if he can perform. Because let's face it, uh, uh, Drew, you know, Drew Brees isn't going to be there forever. And if I had to guess, that's where I think, you know, and granted, Jameis Winston's there and that Taysen, uh, whatever his name is, that little utility player they got. Um, I, I honestly see that I, I see Dak not getting re-signed by the Cowboys because of the injury. Him get picked up on a low-end contract like Cam Newton and and he's going to go out and ball for for his life in in, in that contract. I, just like Cam Newton was doing before he caught the COVIDs, uh, he was he was leaving every he was playing a full sixty minutes and leaving every ounce of, of blood, sweat, and tears on that field at practice and in, in game time. So I'm I'm right there with you on that. But something need, he needs to prove himself if he wants that Russ money. The reason why Russ has that money, he went to the playoffs and won. He went to the Super Bowl and won. He's he's come. He has the the comeback games. He comes from behind and wins. He blows teams out. You know, uh, Dak doesn't do all those things. So I guess we'll. Uh, yeah. I think we beat a dead horse on him. <laughs> yeah, and I said, you know, j- j- you know, just to wrap up the point before we go to start and sit him. You know, you say Saints. I think a good team for Dak Prescott will be the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I, I had I that think, one too. I, I had that one too because Big Ben's in that same situation, and I don't think the dude with the little dent in his head from the helmet—I uh, don't even remember what his what his real name is. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I yeah Mason Rudolph ain't it? Yeah, yeah, Mason <laughs> Rudolph. Okay, <laughs> dent head. <laughs> uh, you know, I uh. That, that's a potential for him too. I mean, we'll, we'll, you know what? We'll find out here in a few short months. Absolutely. And, but something you don't have to figure out in the short, you know, amount of figure out in a few minutes is, you know, your fantasy team. And, you know, one of the things Chris has been knocking it out of the park. And, and, and I think a lot of games, I think two games that I'm very curious about from a fantasy perspective coming up this week, I'm very curious about Steelers Titans. Because there's there's one or two guys that I feel as great as they are, they may not give you the same fantasy production. And even tonight's game, you know, Giants and, and Eagles, I'm really high on one guy, and not so high on the other. But that's, but I leave it to the expert, to Chris. So Chris, give us your starting sit them for Week Seven in the NFL. So we're uh, most leagues. We're about to be halfway through the season here. Um, most leagues, you are on a 14-game season, and then weeks 15 and 16 are your playoffs and Super Bowl because to play into week 17 is just I, – I, I, I care about my minions too much to make them suffer like that. I'm, I'm like King Xerxes. I'm kind. <laughs> I watched 300 last night, man. I couldn't help it. 
Uh, yeah, listen, so he didn't go Leonidas, and I and I get why. I've seen the movie, and I get why he didn't go Leonidas. I get it. I get it. Um, you know, so injuries have been, uh, they have been worse than the damn COVIDs, man. Um, to be honest with you, it has just been a rough, rough season. Uh, player, I'm watching our league and a, and a, uh, the other league I'm in. And the wire and the trade. I honestly think this week probably we had more trades in our league this week than the entire season. I mean, players. I mean, it is a roller coaster of of uh, of trades. But so if you're in a position where normally by week seven you've already figured out two things: you're pushing for the playoffs or you're pushing for next season. And I have been in both positions where by by week seven, I've sold my team off for draft picks. I did it in the 2017-18 season. And that's why I ended up winning last year is I had so many first, second, and third round draft picks. I, I had a, a, a Titan squad before anybody else could manage to get tier two players. And so you're neither at that position where you're starting to sell off your players for draft stock next year. And you're just like, you know what? I'm going to ruin somebody's game that I don't like, and I'm going to mess it up for somebody. Or you're at that position where you're like, all right, I may need to make some moves, sacrifice a draft pick or two and push it into the playoffs and push it into the, to the championship game. So wherever you are, I wish you the best of luck. But if you're in a position of power, I'm going to give you some ideas so starting a quarterback and working our way down to, of course, your regular starts, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. Here's some of your stronger starts. Uh, number one, Matty Ice and the Falcons. They're going to Detroit. You got a Julio Jones who's back on the playground. And the, the Lions defense, when they play at home, is about as scary as the lion from the Wizard of Oz. It's <laughs> it's not pretty. Don't that man's gonna roar at you and you're gonna laugh. So I expect Matty Ice to he is going to connect big time with Julio. He's gonna connect big time with with Calvin and all of his other monstrous players. I expect him to have a big game. One game you talked about the Tennessee Pittsburgh game, Big Ben. This is going to be a good game to watch, but the Titans secondary, if I was to dissect them and pick their weakest position, their secondary, I think, is, is their worst. Is It's their Achilles heel. Um, between Big Ben and his knowledge of the game and his playing capability and all of the weapons that they have, expect Big Ben to have himself a hell of a game. Um, tonight's game, since you brought that up, uh, Carson Wentz, I, I predict him to have a, a big situation and to be a, uh, a a QB1 consideration against the Giants defense. Granted, the Giants did win last week, and they're, 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 they're there. But I think Wentz, he, he was able to produce, like we, ta- we, we talked about, he went from Pittsburgh to Baltimore. Dude, that sucks. I don't care what team you are. You could be the the... 2008 New England Patriots, and that's going to be a rough back-to-back game schedule. So I think with the Giants, he's going to kind of be able to take a load off, really get out there and throw to his no nobody receivers, 
and do his thing. Um, Drew Brees going against Carolina secondary. Uh, I think expect him to do a lot of dump-off passes to Alvin Kamara. The Panthers have a hard time containing those bubble screens or those little short uh, out routes or short slants. Uh, and those are Kamara's specialty, and Drew Brees has been hitting those consistently. Um, the only way it could be worse for Carolina's defense is if Michael Thomas plays. Um, I think we're still waiting, and that might be a game-time decision. Uh, and then the other strong start, uh, the other couple ones I have, of course, Tom Brady going to uh, Vegas. Tom Brady's on a roll. He decided, like I talked about when we, we were covering the NFL segment, he went back to the basics. The little, the little out routes on the edge to Gronkowski when no one else is open. It's something he's comfortable in throwing. Like we talked about with, with, with quarterbacks getting traded in, in previous episodes, sometimes they have a hard time syncing with the receivers because they're not used to the speed they run or they're, they're literally the size of their footsteps. All that stuff is, is essentially calculated by the quarterback. He's been throwing to Gronkowski for as long as any modern-day football fan can remember, and it's been consistent year in and year out, so expect more of that. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is going to uh, have a huge game against Cleveland. Cleveland's going to get in their little pouty face mood. Joe Burrow is hungry, and the man doesn't quit. Um, you know, I, I think that this is going to be a fun game to watch, and I definitely think that the Bengals are going to do some damage. I don't know if they'll win, but I think Burrow is going to have himself a good game. Uh, and then the also the other thing, uh, Andy Dalton statistically has played the best at 1 p.m. time slots. And Ladarius, I'll give you two guesses, but you only need one. What time are they playing uh, the Washington football team tomorrow on Sunday? You ask me what time you're asking? Yeah, I'll give you a hint. It's his favorite time slot. Hmm. Favorite time slot. I know one o'clock is the favorite time. No, there I don't you think go. So. Yeah. Andy Dalton statistically has been awesome at one o'clock time slots in fantasy. It's just one of those wonders of the world that no one ever figures out how. But the Washington football team had a hard time with Daniel Jones and his lack of of knowledge of the game and the subpar offensive weapons that the Giants have. Andy Dalton's essentially sitting with multiple nuclear weapons ready to fire at will. Um, I expect him to have a huge bounce back game compared to uh, last week. Um, your DFS bargains for the, the DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, Matthew Stafford on a low buy. Um, I think he'll, he'll do some damage. Of course, Atlanta's secondary isn't the best, so high volume game there. Justin Herbert with the Chargers. Um, with Austin Eckler still out with the uh, the the hamstring issue, uh, you got an undermanned Jacksonville defense at home. You got a young Herbert who is out there just slinging it out, and with a lack of running games, so who's going to rely on the pass game? You're going to have a good time. A deep streamer, buy at your own risk. Uh, this may go bad for you; it may go good for you. Uh, Kyle Allen for Washington. Um, the Cowboys defense sucks. And I think we can all unanimously agree on that as gentlemen. Um, I think even though he, he chucked two turnovers against the, uh, the giants, I believe, I don't think the giants are any better or any worse at defense in Dallas is at this point. So that could go good or bad. Uh, some of your weaker starts, um, Ryan Tannehill going to Pittsburgh. They don't call him the steel curtain for no reason. 
I think that's going to be a rougher game for Tannehill. Uh, Cam Newton going against San Francisco. Uh, I don't think Cam is a uh, playing at 100% still. I, I think there's still something that's not not what, what there all the way, whether it's physically or mentally. And you also have a rapidly improving and healing 49ers defense where they're starting to get starters rolling back. And they're playing at home, so um, you know that that could be a benefit. Uh, Gardner Minshew going to the Chargers. Chargers defense has been uh, it's it, it's been there. Um, so watch out for him. Two glove Teddy uh, from the Panthers going to New Orleans. Um, you know, New Orleans knows how to play defense. Uh, Jared Goff going to Chicago. Um, Khalil Mack and and Chicago's pass defense has been on fire. I think getting rid of Trubisky and putting in uh, Nick Foles has lit a fire under Chicago's defense because now they feel like they can play and not carry the team. Uh, Jimmy G at New England. I just think both quarterbacks is going to be a, uh, a it's going to be a low scoring game. This is Jimmy G's time for a revenge game to, to go against a team that traded him away. You know he could essentially have been the heir to the throne, but Tom Brady didn't want him, so Tom Brady gets what Tom Brady gets. Uh, I think that he's not going to do as well, though. And then uh, Derek Carr going against Tampa. Tampa's defense made Aaron Rodgers look like a struggling rookie. I don't expect Derek Carr to outperform Aaron Rodgers by any shape, form, or fashion. And I expect Tampa's defense to be as disrespectful to Derek Carr as they were to Aaron Rodgers. And what makes things even worse is our my favorite nose tackle from the Jets was traded to Tampa. Uh, McClendon that man is a stud he is a bull rusher and he is a man that will open up a hole to allow a middle linebacker to come in at Mach 1 and just demolish a quarterback Tampa Bay's got a good linebacker core and their defense has been great this season and they only got better uh shifting gears going down to the speedsters and the running back cores your normal starters your Derrick Henry's out there just just bulldozing anyone that gets in his way over like the juggernaut Aaron Jones, Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt. If you don't know these guys by now, stop playing fantasy football and just go, go do something else with your life. Uh, some of your stronger starts are going to be Dave Montgomery from Chicago going against the Rams. Um, he just needs to get more. He needs to get into the end zone more. I think the Rams are going to give him that opportunity. Uh, Devin Singletary. This is a great, Great matchup for for the, the Bills, number one, because they're going to blow the Jets out of the water. The Jets have zero rush blocking capability. Um, even with Zach Moss getting a little bit more involved, I think Devin Singletary is still going to have a huge game. Uh, Daryl Henderson from the Rams going against Chicago. Uh, I think that's going to be a fun one, too. I think he's going to just those, – those little those little feet are going to keep rolling, especially with no Cam Akers in sight. Um Either Philip Lindsay or Melvin Gordon, depending on the the legal situation of Melvin. I know the NFL uh, still can step in and administer a punishment for his DUI accusation. Um, and then same thing. He's got some type of illness. They're not specifying. It's non-COVID related. I don't know if he's just got a case of the man flu or he's still hung over from his DUI. But uh, remember, innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. That, you know, that's what they say. Um, but I think either one of them are going to have a big game against Kansas City. Their their run defense isn't the best. Uh, same thing with uh, AP and DeAndre Swift from the Lions going playing the Dirty Birds. Uh, again, Atlanta's defense is still in question. 
Um, I think they're going to play with a little bit better fashion because now the offense is producing, but we'll sit back and see. Uh, and then Boston Scott from Philadelphia um, uh, for the Giants. Uh, if you haven't replaced Miles Sanders yet, you're stupid. Um, Boston Scott is going to be the the matchup key for right here. I think he's going to decimate the Giants' uh, defensive line and be able to definitely do his magic. Uh, some of your DFS bargains for DraftKings and FanDuel, Latavius Murray. Uh, Murray. Um, I, I think they're going to be a run heavy because they know uh, Carolina's run defense isn't up to par. And they got that one-two punch with, uh, with, with Murray and Kamara in the backfield. David Johnson from Houston going against the Packers. Um, Ronald Jones just shredded uh, Green Bay's defense last week. I expect the same. Uh, some of your weaker starters for running backs, uh, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edwards from Arizona going to Seattle. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, I, I see in a lot of leagues, he got scooped up like a like a bowl of spaghetti in an Italian household. Um, sit him this week. I still think uh, uh, CEH is going to still get the majority of the snap count. They got to get Le'Veon used to the offense, and they'll, he's going to see snaps. But don't expect to see the 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 workload that that Edwards Hilaire is going to get uh, in time. I think that may happen, just not this week. Uh, Devontae Freeman, um, same situation. I I, I don't think he's going to be able to to do as well, especially Philadelphia. The one thing I will say they're good at is run defense. Um, they're they're definitely up there in the in the in the polls. Uh, Jarek McKinnon and uh, Jamichael Hasty from the 49ers going against New England. New England's got a good run defense, so set them. Uh, Damian Harris and James White on the opposite side of the ball. The 49ers, I definitely think, are going to limit their workload with their front seven. Um, the somehow aging Frank Gore, who still is is alive at this point, the man's like 75 years old, I feel like. Uh, him and LaMichael Ryan playing against uh, uh, Buffalo's defense. Uh, P. Ryan is supposed to get more work. He's a Gator. I'm going to root for him. I'm happy to see him be a Jet as well. But I also understand the Jets suck. So just remember, J-E-T-S, just end the season. Uh, and then J.D. McKissick uh, and Antonio Gibson going to uh, from Washington going to Dallas. Uh, I, I, I think Dallas hopefully will have something going on here. But I, just, I got a feeling that neither one of them are going to do too well against a, a Cowboys matchup there. Uh, wideouts. Uh, Calvin Ridley, DJ Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Tyree Kill, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins. If you don't know these names by now and they're sitting on your bench, stop. Just give it, give it up. You should know your, your go-to starters. Some of your stronger starts, uh, we talked about this game earlier, uh, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, Juju Smith and Chase Claypool. They're going to have some, they're going to do some damage. Uh, uh, strong weather advisory is an effect. It's going to be raining some balls down. Um, suffice it to say, I'm actually putting a jet on the stronger start. Uh, Jamison Crowder, uh, from the jets playing against Buffalo. Um, I, I still think he's going to be their go-to guy in the slot. Buffalo hasn't exactly covered the slot in the most perfect of ways. So keep that in mind. Um, he, but he's on the bottom of my list. So just, just hang tight with him. Uh, T. Higgins from uh, the Bengals going to Cleveland. Uh, he's definitely their best outside receiver they have, and Burrow likes throwing those outside passes. Uh, Darius Slayton from the Giants playing against Philadelphia. 
Um, I think he will get a huge amount of volume uh, from Daniel Jones. And I think that PPR leagues, he will definitely advance very well in. Uh, Brandon Cooks, I think he's going to keep on cooking um, because I think the defense is going to be so focused on trying to stop Fuller. They're just going to leave Brandon Cooks. And that's how he succeeded in the Rams and New England is that he had that tier one almighty receiver and then they would just forget he's on the field the man can catch he just can't get hit very well he's made of glass um i definitely think that uh debo samuel is going to have a strong game uh uh i don't see uh jalen ramsey you know wasn't a threat to his work and uh neither is uh stefan gilmore so i think he's gonna have a huge game and then christian kirk going to the cardinals we all we know or christian Kirk. Christian Kirk from the Cardinals. That's a whole lot of C's and K's right there in one sentence. Um, going to Seattle. Set phasers from stun to kill. Uh, Seattle, we know their secondary sucks, which is crazy because they've always had a famously good defense, but not this year. I expect him to have a good game and definitely Kyler Murray out there doing his things. And Kirk is in that same fashion that uh, Brandon Cooks is in. You've got D-Hop, who's going to attract all the attention from the secondary. The Jamal Adams and all those guys are going to be hyper-focused on him, leaving Christian Kirk just out there and, and never, never land, being forgotten about. Um, your DFS bargains for DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, Tyler Boyd from the Bengals, Mike Williams from the Chargers, Michael Gall from the Cowboys. Some of your deep sleepers, buy at your own risk. Uh, buy, buy at your own risk. Um, A.J. Green, Cole Beasley and Demarcus Robinson. Those can go really, really good or really, really bad. If you need yourself a receiver and you're in a jam, maybe you're on injury or you got a guy on bye, or you're just, you got a guy that's not performing, you're scared of. Most of these guys should be readily available in, in a, uh, in a 10 person or 12 person league. Your weaker starts, literally any receiver from Jacksonville playing the chargers, just sit them. Do yourself a favor, put them on your bench, tuck them to the night, kiss them on their forehead, and shut the lights off this week. Uh, Miko Hardman, uh, I don't see him having as big of a game, even though they are playing Denver. I expect Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins to have themselves the the, the attention grabbers. Uh, on the flip side of that game, uh, Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy, I think that you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have a rough time with with either one of them. Uh, Jarvis Landry, uh, I, at this point, I, I I would drop him. He shows a huge trend in drops in Yahoo and ESPN. So I think that he, I think he's done. I think OBJ has kind of taken back his crown. Uh, John Brown with the Bills, um, his health has been an issue, and I really don't expect him needed to be used. But the fact that they're playing the Jets, they've got Stephon Diggs, they've got Cole Beasley. They've got Devin Singletary. Um, I expect John to kind of just take a backseat on this one. Uh, same thing, Julian Edelman. Uh, like, you remember back in the day when he was actually good in fantasy? It seems like it was years ago, but it was only like two at the most. Sit him. Marvin Jones Jr. has had absolutely the worst season in fantasy, I think, ever. Um, go ahead and sit him. Literally any Raiders player you have, set them against Tampa Bay. They shut down Green Bay and Las Vegas, no matter how many chips you put on the table, they will never be as good as Green Bay this season. Um, 
moving the tight ends, your regular starts, your George Kittles, your your uh, Travis Kelseys, uh, your strong starts, TJ Hawkinson going to the, uh, uh, Atlanta. I think he'll score on the Falcons. Falcons have a very hard time covering tight ends, one of the worst in in the season. So expect him to have a huge game. If you got him, put him on. Uh, Hunter Henry from the Chargers again. You notice a trend here. I'm really picking on Jacksonville this week, but with with Justin Herbert, I just that man is just fire right now. Uh, Evan Ingram uh, on the Giants. I think he's definitely going to uh, put some work in against Philly, um, especially Philly has a lot of linebacker issues. Uh, Robert uh, Tanyan from Green Bay going against Houston. Uh, he's big. He's tough. And I think he's going to bowl over the linebacker core of Houston. Uh, Dalton Schultz from Dallas is going to be another good matchup. Uh, we'll see what him and him and Andy Dalton, uh, what they can do. But for some reason, Washington has that issue covering tight ends as well. Um, linebacker issues, maybe a, a, a shallow secondary, who knows. But I think those are going to be your, your go-tos. Your DFS bargain uh, for DraftKings and FanDuel is going to be Logan Thomas. Um He's got a pretty good connection with Kyle Allen. They've really been developing a, a that that trusty relationship. So I think he could definitely be if if you need to buy somebody at, at a cheap price. I think you'd be able to get him on the blue light special. Your weaker starts for tight end, um, Jimmy Graham. I know everyone got high on him that one week. You know he made that one handed catch. I'm not picking on the man because of his age, but let's face it, in football years he's definitely getting old. Um, Austin Hooper. Going to Cincinnati, he's doing more, but in in a, in a head up matchup, I I don't think he's going to be able to produce. Uh, Jared Cook, um, this is one hundred percent hinged on Michael Thomas's return. If he doesn't return, start him. If he does return, put him put him on the bench. Uh, that's really it. the the trap The trap ones I got. Uh, Rob, for some reason, all the 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 research and that, and everything I put in, you know, leading up to our broadcast, they got Rob Gronkowski. I I have him as a trap sleeper, very bottom end uh, tight end based on on a few things. Literally, the only thing that Vegas does well on defense is cover tight ends. They do that incredibly well, but. With Rob Gronkowski kind of getting back into that football mode, and him and Brady really making that connection again, he's he's either or. But I also think that with uh, Godwin come in, you know, being healthy again, I think that's going to be a little bit of a detrimental factor to him. Uh, and then also uh, Hayden Hurst, he's one of my sleepers. He did good against the Vikings, but the Lions actually have an okay linebacker core. This really depends hinging on. Uh, on Julio Jones, how much, how many snaps is he going to get? What's he going to do? Um, is is he still facing some issues with that with that hammy? A one hundred percent hinge on. Uh, so if you have a flex position that you may need to plug somebody in for a week, but you've got a decent tight end, you may need just that flex. Hayden might be able to fill that for you. But that's what I got for my stardom and sit him this week. Um, good luck to everybody, except for the people that I play. Uh, if I play you, I hope all of your team just mysteriously falls of illness and I can just have an easy path to victory. Yeah, uh, another great starting system and words of advice for Chris. Yeah. Positivity. 
And speaking of something that's good's going to happen, something we really major in, in UFC and in a big fight. And Chris, I know you had some thoughts on that before we uh, before we wrap up this segment. Um, we wrap up the show. I should say. You know, I uh, it's a, it's a huge fight this weekend. So we're going to get the undisputed light heavyweight title fight that I think all of us have been waiting to see. It would, you know, Khabib going against Justin Gaethje. Um, both of these dudes are studs. They train, they eat, they sleep, and they breathe MMA. It's going to be an awesome fight card, I think. Um, you've got them. The co-main event is uh, Robert Whitaker versus uh, Jared Cannonier. Um, and then you've got Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris, Jacob Malkoon versus Phil Hawes. Uh, you got a woman fly right flyweight bout lauren murphy and lilia chakra we're just gonna call her lily from at&t that's a hell of a last name there um but the main fight that could be justin gaethje fight expect some explosive fireworks they both have incredible cardio they both have incredible wrestling skills and they both, when they hit, it sounds like a bomb going off. When, Especially now that there's no crowd, they're on the fight island. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch any of these fights, Ladarius, but the thud that is that you can actually hear now and because you don't hear the crowd screaming at the top of their lungs. When that glove hits somebody in the head, my lord, it is just vicious. Both of these guys have incredible knockout power. Um, expect a hell of a fight. Uh, I don't want to make a prediction on it. I, I, I honestly don't know. I, I score these guys uh, right down the middle. I think whoever can land the knockout punch wins the fight. I know that sounds cliche, but that that's where I stand with that. Um, other than that, you know, ro- rolling around uh, the rest of the sports world. So we got the World Series going on. Uh, game three is uh, Friday at 8.08 p.m. with the Dodgers and Rays. This has been a back-and-forth thing. The Dodgers came out swinging game one. Tampa came out punching back game two. Uh, game three, I think, is going to be just as exciting. It's a tied series right now, one-to-one. Uh, I'm pulling for the Rays on this one. I don't want to jinx them, but I'm pulling for them. Um, the fact that a team with a payroll, their entire team's payroll equals two players on the Dodgers roster. So, you know, I know everyone picks on me for being a Yankees fan and having this exuberant payroll, but let's face it, we're not the only team that does. I like the underdog story, and of course, I want to see the trophy stay in the AL, so Rays, best of luck to you. Other than that, that's all I got, man. And, you know, and I think, uh, going back to the World Series, and I, I did say, depending on who got there, was boy who, who I picked, and it's it's something about the Rays, they feel complete because they play like a team. I don't you know, I'm not gonna say they're they're great at everything, but they just seem to play. They do it better because they feel like more of a team, and and they kind of give off the vibes of the Marlins, where pay. I've always said in baseball, payroll never really mattered. I think in sports we kind of overhype payroll, because if you look at the last, I mean, like nobody says how much the payroll for any NFL team is or even any NBA team. We all talk about baseball. And I feel that that's terrible because look, you got a raised team. Listen, not even thirty million dollars in payroll. That's for everybody. That's everybody. Because at the end of the day, baseball to me is more so the team sport. Where 
listen, you, you you don't have to be great. Well, I'll put it this way. What I like about the Rays is this. I like their, I like their starting pitching, and they have some good bats. But what I like the most is the managerial matchup because it feels at times that Kevin Cash kind of outsmarts Dave Roberts. And it's no disrespect to Dave Roberts because, you know, Dave Roberts is a good dude. But I feel, Chris, that if somebody had to win this World Series more, Chris, it has to be the Dodgers. Because, I mean, we're talking 32 years, Chris. I'm not saying that's like, you know, my Cubs in 100 years. I'm not saying that. But the reality is, Chris, is that high payroll equals high expectations. That's why I say, listen, getting Mookie Betts, you can make a you can make an argument that Mookie Betts could be the best player in baseball. I'm not going to get in. You know, I'll let Twitter figure that out. But I, I, I'm going to stick with what I feel from the beginning. I'm going to go raise in seven because Ooh. I feel that I like the Dodgers, Chris. But at the end of the day, you know, Clayton Kershaw is like the Dan Marino of Major League Baseball. He's like James Harden, Russell Westbrook, you know, even Charles Barkley. Talented dudes in the regular season, and they fall short in the postseason. A-Rod. <laughs> and, and, and for Clayton Kershaw, what you know, listen, Clayton Kershaw's not trash, but Chris, I just feel that. You need to produce the, Do- the big times, buddy. Earn that paycheck. And I think at the end of the day, and you know, I mean, that's in the business of firing people, Dallas Cowboy fans. But if the Dodgers lose this World Series, Chris, I think ownership there is going to really evaluate Dave Roberts. And I'm, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's fair, Chris. But it goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's about you may be doing your job, but everybody else has to do their job too. And the reality is that if the onus falls on the manager. And speaking of things that fall on things, you know, we've fallen hard on time because we're out of time for this week's episode. But to stay connected with the podcast, go to Facebook.com slash Sports the World and also join our Facebook group there as well. Also on Twitter and Instagram is both at Sports the World. Check out my personal Twitter account at Ladarza underscore Brown and Chris's at UFC Twitter. Great stuff. Pretend, every at UFC Pretend Twitter. <laughs> pretend Twitter. Yeah, it, it makes a difference, folks. Could take you to a whole nother thing. Twitter is very, very specific. Yeah, so yeah, this is my favorite thing, man. Um, also, too, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on my soapbox every day, every broadcast we do until election day. If you're not registered to vote, depending on whatever state you're in, go check the regs. If you are out of time, shame on you. And I swear on Korean Jesus and all things in between, if you did not vote and I see you bitching about the outcome of any election, the president, the Senate, the Congress. The the city dog catcher, you have zero room to talk. Shut your ass up, get registered, go out and cast your ballots. That is the only way you are granted permission to cry, complain and bitch about the outcome of the election if it didn't go in your favor. Otherwise, sit down and shut up because I'm sorry you didn't have the courage to go out and vote. Make your voice heard. If you want change, it starts in the ballot box. I'm Chris Good and I approve this message. And <laughs> that's what it sounded like to me. But <laughs> I was I, I people think, oh dude, do you listen? No, I listen. I think to, to kind of harp on your point, like I say, I've already voted. And one of me the too. things that one of the things that I talk about, and I don't want to get on my soapbox, 
but I tell people I don't care. I think I told this story on last episode, and and I think it's universal. Like, like I'll give you some. Me and Chris have known each other what twenty years? I think yeah, twenty, been a few, say the least. Been a few. Well, it's been a few. We'll put it that way. We 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 remember in sync when Timberlake was the lead singer. So I remember when um that song "Who Let the Dogs Out" was a thing. But the point is, we're just tossing in music references today. But the thing is, we it doesn't matter what our politics are. We always come back to the fact that hey, it's just like same thing here on the podcast. Like if you like, we always talk about issues like the Baker Mayfield conversation, Chris. It may not be a political discussion, but it's an example of back and forth, where we can have a back and forth. We may not necessarily agree, but we don't disagree. And I say, look at politics, and, and that's how you got to vote. Listen, don't let any one person tell you or convince you to vote for this person for that reason or vice versa. You go vote because you control. I say I say it all the time. I say, you, there's some things about America, listen, I don't like you. you, may, you know, we, we, I, and I get that. But one of the things that America has done, and I'm not going to say done well, we have the power to choose our leaders. And mind you, Chris, there's almost 200 countries in the world. And not a lot of them. And a a lot fraction of, them, yeah. of a fraction. A fraction of a fraction of a fraction ability. of them. Don't have that ability. And I tell people, think about that. It doesn't matter. Just vote. I, I, I say it on Twitter. I preach it on, you know, I think I, I posted a picture on Facebook of getting my ballot because it's important. So every, I don't want people to say this is a, every election is important. Vote. And it's not just on the federal level. You got seats up like, like, like where I am, we're voting for mayor, city council. We're voting for state senate, state representative. So don't think of it as the upper echelon, like the, you know, voting for president. And no, it starts local and it grows. It starts like a seed and it grows. And I think, just just go vote. And cause like I said, in, in your same vein, Chris, if you don't vote, then I feel you shouldn't have a say. Then don't it, bitch. It, it's I'll essentially it like this. I'll say it for you. It, it, don't it, it's vote, like, don't bitch. Chris is the uh, inner me, I guess. Don't worry about the... How does it work? Listen, that's too complicated. That's another episode. But the reality is, it's like, look, just go vote. Simply put, because at the end of the day, you have the right to do so. And speaking of the right things to do, you know, right time to say that we're out of time for this episode. And until you hear us again, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and also go vote from all of us here at the Sports and the World Podcast. See ya!